Welcome into another edition of the Crowdasis Podcast. I'm one of your hosts today, Kevin Masseri, here with Ryan Thomas. Going through, oh man, so much great stuff post-draft. We'll go through some of those picks. We'll grade out those picks. We'll talk about potential free agents um, that are still on the market that could help the Bills roster out as well as the UDFA signings. Maybe touch on a little bit about scheduling news coming up here in the NFL between the schedule release in a couple of weeks and potential um, pushback of dates, as well as maybe some final news and nuggets. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you? Always a pleasure. Doing well. Um, post draft, really great turnout for the draft. Um, you know, I know we did a couple of shows last week, but this is our first show. Um, coming at you after the draft, as always, is brought to you by Trainwreck Sports and Picasso's Pizza. Get out there. If you didn't already for your draft day, get out there and get your pizza um, from any of their locations. Great pizza, great menu. Uh, some of the best pizza in Western New York. So make sure you do that um, and stay safe. Um, so as we look through the first, you know, um, first day, obviously, which was on Thursday, where the Bills didn't have a pick and Bean claimed that he didn't want anybody to let him make a trade. It went pretty well for the Bills through 31 picks. Um, Minnesota took Jeff Gladney, the cornerback. Uh, Noah Ikebenogany went really early to Miami at 30. Um, and then the Kansas City Chiefs came on the clock at 32. And that's kind of where the run of, of offensive playmakers started. A few receivers had gone. Um, well, I mean, I guess more than a few, really. I mean, you had Jerry Judy go to Denver, Henry Ruggs at L.A., uh, C.D. Lamb, Dallas, uh, Jalen Regeer to Philadelphia, uh, Justin Jefferson in the in the Minnesota pick from Buffalo. And so there'll always be a comparison there, and Brandon Ayuk to San Francisco. Um, but the running backs had stayed on the board. There were still a bunch of names, and that's kind of where it started, Ryan, where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went to finish off the day. Um, Bills were in pretty good shape, but a real run on players the Bills wanted happened fast and furious at the top of the second round with T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, DeAndre Swift went right off the board. Um, for your safety fans, McKinney and Duggar went right away in the early 30s. Gross Matos went at 38. Hunt, a guy that the Bills were very interested in throughout the process, went at 39, the guard tackle um, from um, to Miami. Um, you know, then, then, then Jonathan Taylor went to Indy and Chernol went to Jacksonville really wasn't a great first good as the first round was that start of the, the first half of the second really hurt the bills, um, as being, you could kind of sense thought the same there, um, that those players went fast and furious, but not enough for Buffalo didn't feel like they wanted to trade up to get into any of those, those names, more DBs went off with Delpit and Winfield jr. Um, KJ Hamler, another receiver to Denver, um, and Chase Claypool, your guy, to Pittsburgh. So there was some really – and then Diggs right before to Dallas. Cam Akers right before to L.A. at 52. Um, and then they got a little break with 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 Hurts going at 53. Um, but it, it was tough pickings for the Bills by the time they sat there and waited that out. Really only a couple names left. J.K. Dobbins, a guy that might always be talked about here in Buffalo just because – uh, Baltimore felt the need that that was a good range with their loaded offensive weapon room that they thought they could take J.K. Dobbins uh, and left the Bills, you know, pretty much with the best defensive line prospect um, remaining and probably best defensive end maybe beside Chase Young. It's debated um, there on the board. So, Ryan, what we'll start with you. Uh, we're going to start here at the f- pick 54 uh, Epinesa for the Bills. I mean, what was your initial reactions knowing that Dobbins was on the board? Really not a ton else. It was really, to me, it was him or Dobbins. So kind of what what do you think uh, happened there? Well, really, as you as you said, you know, we were really sweating it out uh, from, from 
pick 33 to 54, seeing all those wide receivers go, seeing all these skill position players go, the Jonathan Taylors that we dove deep into in previous shows. And as the 54th pick um, came to, you know, came to the clock there as the bills were on the clock, you know, I was thinking either J.K. Dobbins or A.J. Epines as the pick here. And if it's J.K. Dobbins, I would have never thought he would have lasted at 54th overall. He was one of my top two running backs in this draft. Uh, And I would have never thought that A.J. Epinesa, one of the best two or or three pass rushers in this draft, I would be available at 54th overall. Both guys in my mock drafts, I had Dobbins going in the first. I had Epinesa going in the first. So, you know, Buffalo picking A.J. Epinesa, out goes Shaq Lawson, in goes A.J. Epinesa. But you look at – who is already on the roster, Jerry Hughes. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth. Eventually they will have to replace him. And it's kind of like they're already replacing Shaq Lawson, potentially replacing Jerry Hughes down the line, you know, by bringing in AJ Epinesa. Um, And definitely I would say in terms of the defensive end class, one of the better run defending defensive ends, not necessarily the pass rush guy of this draft. Obviously that would, fall into the category of Chase Young and, and Yeter Gross Montos had uh, solid production uh, at Penn State. But really, you, you, you start to wonder, what was it that made A.J. Epinesa fall to 54th overall? And I mean, the questions really remain about his athleticism, his speed, um, how his speed and athleticism aren't necessarily elite, uh, given the combine performance that caused his draft stock to slip a little bit. And that could be to Buffalo's advantage, um, drafting a player that probably should have went in the first based on the production that he put forth in the collegiate level. Uh, but he fell to 54th overall due to the combine performance. So this could be a classic case of a player slipping to Buffalo based on a bad combine. But and it was I know a bad for a fact as the year, it, it was, yeah. And I, I know for a fact as the years go by, you know, people will be looking at Dobbins, should they have picked Dobbins or should they have picked Epinesa? And uh, that's a pretty interesting debate to have. It sure is. Uh, he ran a 5.140. I mean, that's, that's slower than me, Ryan. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's... Um, that's, that's, that's a slow 40. Um, in my athletic prime, I was in the fours. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty slow. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a bad, bad time. And obviously I, I think he was pretty much considered top 30 prior to that, maybe then fell to the 30 to 40 range post combine and um, obviously limited in pass rushing ability um, really started just one season back to back 10 sack years though. So he did get after it. Um, he is, you know, pretty much anything Buffalo is looking for. I think that the bills have invested a lot into the defensive line position. Not only did they sign three players this offseason, Vernon Butler, uh, as well as Quentin Jefferson and Mario Addison to go with Trent Murphy, who they signed last offseason, and Jerry Hughes, who they gave an extension to uh, Shaq Lawson, who was drafted the year prior to McDermott, but still a first round pick Harrison Phillips, a third round pick on this roster at Oliver, a first round pick last year onto this roster. Um, that's a lot of assets into this position group, and they felt that they didn't adequately um, replace uh, Shaq Lawson, at least on the run front, which Shaq Lawson was actually very good at. I think the pass rush is is there. They Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler are really good from the interior, and Mario Addison's going to add a lot of pass rushing sacks. Uh, he, he really does rack up a sack. He's a good pass rusher, and they, they might have felt they were a little weak on the run stop. I thought Trent Murphy can be strong in, in that game. 
Um, I, I really think that there's a lot, a lot of talent. Uh, I know that it's probably only for two years between Hughes and Addison and Murphy. Um, you know, stars only here for a little bit, but one of the big acquisitions, the first, you know, when, when McDermott came over. Um, so there's a lot of assets on this defensive line. I mean, there really is, you know, that's not including the, the, you know, the, the middle linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, who they took in the first round of the 18 draft, Matt Milano, who they're going to invest a lot into here shortly. And to both of those players, Voshan Joseph, a guy that many are forgetting about, but was a fifth round pick last year who should uh, really, really be in the competition with AJ Klein there, um, depending on uh, how they see Joseph fit and where they, and then Tyler Matikavich, a guy that backup middle linebacker, they paid a lot of money too for a backup uh, that can play teams as well. So um, there is a lot of talent in that defense in general, but specifically that front seven. What I thought, thought was really interesting um, was not sniffing the big nickel. Uh, we'll get into that in future picks here. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, we'll never know if the Bills liked Kyle Duggar. We know that they didn't like uh, Jeremy Chin enough to make this move, who went 64 to Carolina. Um, but we're going to grade this pick now, Ryan. I give it a, a – I've been back and forth between B-plus and A-minus. I think I'm giving it a B-plus. Um, I think the value's there. I don't know – that the defensive end from the specifically strong in the run stop is the number one need, but the talents there, um, the defensive line room in their opinion could look drastically different in two years. Uh, I think it'll look fairly similar next year, but maybe in two years, it'll look drastically different. So they're, they're out in front of this thing and hoping that he does develop more of those pass rushing skills in the NFL, uh, the two, a real power playing uh, defensive end, similar to a JJ Watt. Um, Ryan, what real briefly? What do you get? Uh, give this pick, and then we'll get into the uh, the next picks. I would give this a, a B plus, B plus. Uh, just based on the value, and and I would give it uh, the B plus based on the value and the fact that you know I think the regime was was very comfortable making this pick, not just because he fell at the fifty fourth overall, but I think he will fit in yeah. within Sean McDermott's defense, and you know it's I, I almost wonder if this is just a, not another case of being that Sean McDermott is a, a defensive-minded coach, is he more comfortable taking that defensive player in the first round Maybe. with the first pick, you, you could say, so with the second-round pick, which was the first pick of this draft. So um, I'm going to give it a B plus. I, I think that uh, hopefully this guy does come in and make an immediate impact for this defense and make this defense even better than it was last year. All right. No, that's a good point. Um, I, I think that there's very clear beside the year they spent on Josh Allen and obviously going to trade for an established receiver in Stephon Diggs. Right. Um, we can talk about it on, uh, on, in the show and other shows that I don't know this regime specifically, including McDermott. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know if he or Whaley ran the show in 17. I guess we never will know. Um, right. but I think that they've struggled at the receiver position. So that makes, that makes sense on why they went out and, and were like, you know, what, we yeah, got a real is. established receiver. Um, right. for whatever reason, it's going to be easier for us to do that than it is to say, to see if we like CD lamb or have to move up or do all this other jockeying or Justin Jefferson. Um, so they, they went out and said, you know what, we need a guy that's established. That's really good. That helped be, you know, Kirk cousins be better. Um, so that's what they did. And then, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're more comfortable taking defensive players with their higher picks. And then to me, 53, you know, you start to get 53, 54, 55, you know, middle to late of the second. I think that you can take um, a little bit more of a risk than maybe a can at pick 10. Um, so they purely just said, you know, we're sitting at this pick. We're not trading picks. 
the best player were going to take him. I think they lived through that, and they had him maybe just slight notch. Clearly, they needed a running back. Um, they agreed with that. They just had him a slight notch. If, if, if he's gone, though, I do believe J.K. Dobbins is the pick pretty clearly um, as Baltimore right. thought that they could invest into that position group in the second. So it is funny, though, that Marlon Davidson um, from Auburn and Darrell Taylor from Tennessee um, – both went before uh, Epinesa. So we'll keep an eye on that if Atlanta and Seattle in the 40s had something different than Buffalo did um, with knowledge to why they would think going that row of, of guys that were quote-unquote lower on the draft board, uh, many right. you know pundits draft board at least, um, over Epinesa. So, Ryan, getting into, you know, then, you know, kind of sat still, um, you know, kind of, kind of kick your feet up um, and, and kind of wait this thing out into the third round. Jeremy Chin, like I said, went at the end of the second. Denzel Mims went, um, you know, Cam Akers went right before. So you didn't really have any other running backs or weapons on the board. Van Jefferson went to LA Rams. Um, you know, Gibson, luckily Washington decided they wanted Antonio Gibson at the top of the third. Um, nothing else really of note of positions they were looking at, uh, I guess, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn to Tampa at 76 is probably the point where being exhaled. Um, I, a couple of receivers went off the board early in the eighties and then, you know, the bills were on the board with, I think to me at that point with the receivers and running backs that had gone to that point, a lot of them went, uh, the receivers had thinned out the running backs had pretty much thinned out, especially with the, the adding of Vaughn and Gibson into the mix. I mean, you're really sitting there with a pretty, uh, pretty big hold saying that if you don't take Zach Moss, I'm not sure what the Bills are going to be able to do at running back. Darrington Evans ended up going a couple picks later. My guy, who many said were, was a day three pick, ended up creeping into the, the third round. Uh, Zach Moss, the Pac-12 player from Utah, um, you know, went to 86 to the Bills. I think is a really good running back. I think he's got a lot of similarities to Singletary. Uh, I don't think it needs to be this thunder and lightning situation. I think he likes contact, but at the same time, he is elusive in his own right. Um, they both get yards after contact. Uh, just another solid football player who ran for a lot of yards at Utah. Was a really, you know, really solid player there. Um, just once again, didn't run particularly well. Four sixes for a running back is slightly slower, but the Bills don't seem to care. Singletary didn't run, uh, you know, really that well either, Ryan. So we're going to start with right. you. Um, what do you think of the pick? And then uh, kind of give us your grade as, uh, as, you, as you break it down. This this had to be the pick here. I mean, yeah. this was probably as as clear cut a need as glaring a, a player that you could bring in uh, that would actually fulfill the role that the Buffalo Bills have been looking for at running back. And Zach Moss, five nine, two hundred twenty three pounds, ran a four five forty for a guy that has those thick legs that just churn through the defense. Yeah. Uh, I obviously feel as if this was a probably the best plug-and-play pick of this Bills draft, I think you could say, as far as the guy that can come in week one, make that contribution to the offense, another weapon that Josh Allen can get the ball to via the handoff or via the air. Is he more known as a, as a, a true in-between-the-tackles guy, 100%, but for a guy with Five foot nine, two hundred twenty-three pound. You know, thick legs. He has extremely quick feet. Uh, somebody that's agile. Somebody that has great balance. I would say that that is his biggest attribute to Zach Moss's game is that his balance is is unreal. Um, oftentimes, 
he's the guy that is initiating the contact and he's the guy that's not falling down. The other guy is falling down. So I really uh, enjoy this pick. I think Buffalo Bills fans are really going to come to enjoy uh, Zach Moss in the coming years. He'll be somebody that the fans can really get pumped up for. And he reminds me a lot, you know, for like the, you know, football fans out there that are looking for a pro comparison. Reminds me a lot of like a Darius Geis type running back. Um, He's got that rare, I guess, combo of of speed and and size, but more so power and and size that that has that agility factor. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits within this offense. And, you know, last year, Brian Dable's offense, there was some moments where it was a little bit too vanilla and, and too methodical. Um, where I think Zach Moss will be able to help that, giving this offense a new dimension to work with. Yeah, so, I mean, fourteen yeah, hundred yards, nothing to to sniff at Ryan um, in his in not his, at all in his final year. Um, he went came back to college. You know, he's got a lot of great great things to say about himself. Ran for a lot of hundred yard games, fifteen touchdowns. What do you give this? What do you give the? Give us a quick grade. Yeah, the the pick I would say for the for this pick, I, the grade would be uh, a B plus for sure. Okay. Um, it's the same grade as AJ Epinesa, but I think that I give this a B plus uh, just because I feel like that's the the best the best grade. You could go you could go higher, but I think a higher grade would say that my expectations of this player would be to be uh, would be for him to be the, the running back one of this team. And I don't necessarily think that that will be the case. I still think Devin Singletary is the guy. Um, but then again, this could be, you know, one of those RBBC fantasy football situations that people might want to stay away from. Which sure could be. Depends on the, uh, the hot hand, as everybody knows, whoever's the hot hand. And Zach Moss is, is really tough to stop once he gets going, as is Devin Singletary. So I'm happy that, you know, Buffalo invested in a running back within either the second or the third round, um, whether it was the second or third, I didn't really have a, a preference. I just wanted them to add, you know, a Dobbins or a Taylor or a Moss and they got Moss. So um, this offense has definitely been reshaped in, in its own way with the addition of Diggs, yeah. the addition of Moss. And I look forward to seeing how those two guys on this offense uh, play in their first yeah. season as Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and let's not forget that the Utes, when um, <clears throat> Moss played, were ten and one um, in games prior to the um, the Pac-12 championship. So ten and one, they've lost a game he didn't play in early in the season. Um, while he was playing, they only lost to I believe it was USC. Um, so they they were a really strong football team. Um, they relied on this guy a lot. Um, played him into the championship game against Oregon where they lost 37, 15 against 13th ranked Oregon on uh, a game. He still ran right. for 113 yards, 57 cut or 57 yards receiving and a touchdown. Um, so does have some receiving ability having 374 yards as, a, as uh, his final season and two touchdowns. Um, you know, they relied on him heavily. So I going to give this, 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 this an a, I mean, I'm in the a camp. I think that it's, he was picked, the same place that Singletary was. And I don't think that you can say a hundred thousand percent that it's only Singletary's job to lose. I think that it is going to be an RBBC um, situation. And I think very much so that any injury or ding up to Singletary and you have a, you have a bell cow back in Moss that's going to, and maybe even vice versa. If something happens to Moss and you know, Singletary is your bell cow, but 
I have high expectations for this pick. I think that's why you invest back-to-back third-round picks in a running back situation because you expect this. Ten running backs went in the first three first 93 picks. Um, is that running position dying or not? I mean, 10 picks in the first 93. There was nobody left on the board come round four except for, you know, Benjamin, more of a receiving back. Uh, Josh right. Kelly, if you like the guy from UCLA. Um, even Darrington Evans, like we said, went in this. So there wasn't really Michael P. Ryan, if you're, if, 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 if that's the kind of receiver you like or running back you like. So um, right. that's, that's, that was it. I mean, 10 running backs. So I think that people are saying, you know, throw the, throw this out the window. Running back doesn't matter. Grab him in the sixth, seventh round. That's not true. The miss rate in uh, post third round is, is, is really high, Ryan. So the bills got to play in that and, and got kind of the last quote unquote topper end talent. I'm giving it an A. I like the value. I like everything going for it. I think it was the biggest need left after, um, I think it was the biggest need to begin with and by far the biggest need as you reach pick 86 in this draft. The Bills then kind of stayed pad and didn't make any trade-ups and, and waited it out, got into the fourth round. Um, and, you know, like, like we said, some of the weapons were already gone at that point. Uh, it was pretty clear that the, they took two receivers on day three. It was pretty clear where they were going to go at these picks. Um, that they were going to get the best receivers available and uh, pick 128. They took Gabriel Davis, a, a UFC receiver. Um, you see, yeah, sorry, uh, receiver um, from the American Conference, a guy that you know runs the you know the post and fly route as well as anybody. Um, big play receiver um, didn't you know run particularly well? Doesn't run a particularly big route tree. Uh, I personally wanted Gandy Golden at this this spot. I thought they did a lot of work on him and kind of liked the player that he was. Ended up going a few picks later to Washington. What do you like about uh, this this pick, Ryan? And um, where where do you grade this this slot? So um, you know, as far as the Gabriel Davis pick, that was you know you you're building the draft. You're looking at what they've done so far. You know, briefly, I'm looking at AJ Epinesa. They take the defensive end. They take the running back Zach Moss. So the next position that is of need is wide receiver, and that was a really hotly debated topic for whatever reason amongst, you know, Bill's Twitter. Hey, we got Stephon Diggs. And as you and I have talked about a time or two, you know, Stephon Diggs is, is all well and great, but what if Stephon Diggs or, or John Brown or Cole Beasley get hurt? Uh, we got to bring in somebody that could come in and, and make their impact. And Gabriel Davis was a, a guy that I looked at leading up to the draft. And I, I thought you know, maybe a, a fourth or fifth round, depending on who's available, he, he could be somebody that Buffalo might take. And what I noticed is that he is a great route runner and that he does have a great ability to win contested balls, uh, you know, make those catches on the ends, get open in tight windows, really good slant route runner for someone that's, you know, a six foot two, 220 receiver. Um, he's got great quickness, great twitch uh, to his game. And I think that, this is the guy that people should look at and say, well, he's not a finished product yet, but I think coming to Buffalo with veterans like Cole Beasley, veterans yeah. like John Brown and veterans like Stefan Diggs, not really necessarily a vet, but a guy that has had a few years in the league for sure. And has been a very productive player. I feel like it's probably one of the best situations across the league that Gabriel Davis could have been drafted into. Um, and I see him definitely giving, you know, the Robert Fosters uh, and, and the Duke Williams 
players of the world uh, a run for their money in terms of a position battle. And, you know, a fourth-round receiver, you, you would hope that he would do just that, push those players, um, you know, and, and create some competition there at that receiver position. But the production was there uh, in college. He is extremely well built. I feel like he tracks the ball well over his shoulder um, in, in all the tape that I watched. And as well, I can't tell you how many times I've watched receivers over the years that are highly rated on draft boards, highly, you know, uh, you know, given exposure throughout the draft process. And they catch the ball with their chest. They don't catch the ball with their hands. This guy catches the ball with his hands. It sounds so silly. It sounds so simple. But Gabriel Davis, he really does catch the ball with his hands and catching 152 passes in three seasons, ranking eighth in the country in 2019 with 100 yards receiving per game. Um, that, that's not too bad. So, you know, I'm going to give this pick a B. Uh, ultimately, I did think they would take Andy Golden. Um, but I think the potential is really there for Gabriel Davis to come into Buffalo and learn from uh, some of his teammates. And, and we'll see how this guy develops. Yeah, right. He struggled in run blocking situations too. He, he committed, he had a bunch of uh, holding calls on down the field. So that's something to keep an eye on. Ran a four, five, four, not particularly fast. Um, is said to, to not have a full route tree yet developed. So those are kind of some of his negatives. Um, you know, I it wasn't, I'm going to be honest, wasn't my favorite pick was probably my least favorite pick of the draft. The bill said that he was the top of their draft board at the time that he was selected in the fourth round. Um, I guess could be true. Um, guess we don't know with that the, yeah with all the receivers that were picked i mean it, it's possible that 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 that's the case but right i feel like um i feel like for sure that they see him as somebody that could develop into something and and i agree with that thought that you know, maybe he's not the the finished product that you know maybe gandy golden might be in terms of the combination of length and strength that he has uh yep. in terms of gandy golden but i feel like gabriel davis could be somebody that down the road uh, you know, year two, year three could be could be fairly decent depending on how they let him develop and how they develop. It did thin out at the position quickly, like we talked about really there in the second and third rounds. Um, so, you know, I, I thought player for player, I liked Gandy Goldman a little bit more. Obviously, Gandy Goldman was the next receiver picked a couple of picks later down to Washington in the fourth round. So I guess might be a comparison there for a while. It was, he was said to have the most contact with the Bills. Maybe the Bills didn't expect Gabriel Davis to be there in the fourth or something. I, I'm not quite sure um, what the the continued interest in Gandy Golden um, was, and and to to select um, Gabriel Davis over him. Maybe like like I said, they they thought that he would be gone by the time they selected. Clearly, I think they were eyeing the third or fourth round for their receiver, um, and obviously in the third round after taking the defensive end um they they obviously needed to take running back because that position group was getting weaker um they did they decided to go the route of gabriel davis over gandy golden um so we'll, we'll have to check that out yeah i think that's a good comparison to keep an eye on um throughout their pro careers to see you know how gandy golden does in washington and how gabriel davis does here in buffalo um but we'll see if he develops those routes um and see if he can be beat out to robert foster an undrafted free agent who's pretty similar in terms of routes that they like to run. We'll see if Gabriel Davis brings anything on a special teams front or not. Um, might be how he makes this roster. But a fourth-round pick, you're fairly safe. Um, getting Okay, so getting into the fifth round where, um, you know, the draft starts to get, get a little thinner um, pretty much in most position groups. You're really doing your best to, to select the best available players. 
um, and bills around the board and um, a name stuck out to them like a sore thumb. And they said, you know, we're going to still select the quarterback from Georgia, Jake Fromm, a player that comes with all the accolades of winning SEC quarterback, took him to the national championship game against Brian Dable on Alabama at the time and to attack of Viola. Um, so, you know, that comes with pretty much everything he needed to have pretty rock solidly a first round pick prior to the year, didn't have a great year after losing all of his weapons, decided to still come out on, didn't want to hurt a stock even more, um, and, and, and declared for the draft. Uh, a couple names were taken in front of him, but the bill said, you know, we had a, a much higher grade on this guy. We weren't expecting to take a quarterback at all, but we couldn't pass up on the talent and his abilities and extra quarterback coach in the room. Um, even for being for such a young age, they say that the process hurt this guy the most between not being able to go on visits and, um, you know, his pro days and recheck some of the stuff that, you know, he struggled at the combine. Again, the Bills took a lot of strugglers at the combine, which was funny, um, which shows you that they don't put a lot of maybe not a ton of water into that. They care more about their film, the senior bowl, other other things. And uh, Jake Fromm was a really good player and the SAC did a lot of great things. So, He's featured in the QB1 show, uh, Beyond the Lights, on Netflix. Watch season one if you want to get an insight into him and his family. I don't think the pick could have been any better for a fifth-round selection. I've had some people say that they wanted an offensive lineman that wouldn't have made the roster to me. Um, there's, there's not a lot of offensive line spots there. We already talked about the receiver and running back being thin. Uh, there's really not another position there that stuck out to me, and the Bills thought they had the luxury to build a QB2 at $600,000 for four seasons, Ryan. So – um, I think he, he's a he's a really good pick at this point. I thought the Bills could go quarterback. I said that on this show. Um, I didn't kind of out of the realm of possibilities, you know, even earlier than that if they needed to, because I think QB two was after running back, receiver were filled, the end was filled, wasn't really a safety there. I think that by far that you could argue for is 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 a QB two and got the makings to be an Andy Dalton um kind of that, that's the kind of player that he yep. is and to, to be able to get yep. that at such a great value Ryan I'm giving this pick an A I've seen some some ridicule I've seen some people like it I've seen some ridicule but I'm going with an A select or an A pick uh tell me what you feel about that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna one-up you on this pick okay, okay. I I, ha- I have to do it um okay. before I give my before I give my grade uh this was a moment in the draft that made me smile ear to ear. This was a moment in the draft that made me clap like Sean McDermott on the sideline. This was a moment in the draft that I honestly thought to myself, okay, I I see you, Sean McDermott. I see you, Brian Dable. I see you, Brandon B. This was the best value pick of this entire draft, which says a ton. That's a bold statement by myself. Sure. That's a big statement by myself due to the fact that AJ Epinesa fell to them at 54. Yeah. But in terms of how pivotal it is to have a great QB1 in this league, the most important position in the league is the quarterback position. The most important backup position in the league is the backup quarterback. And for Buffalo to get a guy that the stage is never too big for Jake Fromm. Led the Georgia Bulldogs to the title game as a true freshman. He pushed Jacob Eason out of Georgia. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, there were some things in terms of, you know, arm strength and, and athleticism that were questioned by draft scouts and, and talent evaluators across the league. But in terms of everything that you would want outside of that within a player, someone that is smart, someone that is confident, everything between the ears, firing on all cylinders, 
guy that works super hard. Um, this was a pick that I never saw coming for Buffalo. This was a pick that I would hope and dream that this would happen. Uh, but it, but the fact that it actually did happen, the fact that Buffalo actually got a fifth round quarterback with plenty of upside that I truly think along with Gabriel Davis and Robert Foster being a key position battle come training camp, I got my eyes locked on Jake Fromm versus Matt Barkley. The quarterback two battle is, is on and it will be firing on all cylinders. Hopefully, uh, pretty soon here hopefully if things go go well and if we continue to you know flatten the curve here um jake from i'm gonna give this pick an a plus okay. i really i i really i think that this is a phenomenal pick by the bills uh long term i think he's really gonna help josh allen get better where josh allen has some deficiencies and i think allen is gonna help jake from uh, get better where he might have some of his deficiencies. I think this is great for the Bills roster as a whole, and it's great for the most important position of the game, the most important positional room in the game, the quarterback position. And um, I, I talked about it on the show as well, much like yourself, the, the need is there for a backup quarterback. Matt Barkley's entering into the last year of his contract. Um, and beyond that, you know, he's, he's uh, bounced around from team to team. You don't really know what the – what the uh, outlook on him is and, until next year. And they take a fifth round quarterback with, with great value, a guy that I had as high as my sixth rated quarterback in this draft. And to be quite honest with you, it was really tough for me to not put him in the top five at fifth um, with all that he accomplished 78 touchdowns, 8,000 plus yards. Um, I really think that this was a great pick, uh, Kevin. I think that he, he should have been gone way before this should have been a, a fourth maybe even a third round pick and uh, when I look at this draft this pick really sticks out to me like a sore thumb uh, in terms of just the value and and the upside and what he can bring to the table let's just say Jake Fromm never starts a game for Buffalo but he, he starts some preseason games and he looks really really good or maybe if Josh Allen does get hurt and he starts some games he, he looks really, really good. The value in having a great backup on the team is abundantly clear. But the value in having a good backup quarterback that you could potentially trade into a major asset, that could take place here in a couple years. I, I'm very high on Jake Fromm. I, I greatly enjoyed watching him at Georgia, and I'm very happy he's a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, and um, I ultimately – the fifth quarterback ended up being Jalen Hurts at 53. Um, so all I'm going to say is if you didn't like this pick, I don't, you certainly can't like Hurts to, to Philadelphia at 53 and you can't like um, love to the Packers at 26. Like, I mean, nope. uh, you must just not like any of those selections um, at all because it's the bills didn't need to spend a, spec, uh, a really high asset. I mean, the Colts decided to do the same thing um, in, in developing Jacob Eason. Um, they took him in the fourth. The Jets took James Morgan, a guy the Bills were really interested in. Uh, once I read the Bills were interested in, in Morgan, um, who went right before their selection at 125 to the Jets um, from Florida right. International, I thought that um, the Bills taking a quarterback was a realistic thing between kind of the last remaining guys, which were Eason, Morgan, and uh, Fromm. I think that always was um, a, a really high probability. And I wasn't counting out after Morgan went. All that was left on the board that was really worth having was Fromm. I thought it was possible they took him in the fourth round, which still would have been fine value. They just right. they just had Gabriel Davis there. Um, I, I'd argue that helps me 
off the ledge. I didn't end up grading Gabriel Davis. I, I actually give that a C minus. I don't like specifically like the the player a uh, whole lot. I like the position group. I don't I don't like the posi- player there. I don't like the, the, the his inability to run a lot of routes. So, um, and but I, like once again, I think they made up for it with this Fromm pick. Um, you know, giving them an A on this thing. I think that there's a lot of room for growth. He's a really great intangibles guy. And hopefully we're talking about him a lot on this show um, in the preseason and there's stuff to really watch for. Okay, Ryan, we'll, we'll lump the last kind of couple picks together here. Um, mm-hmm. and in the sixth round, they decided to take kicker and Tyler Bass out of um, Georgia Southern, a guy that was really, really good um, his junior year. Didn't miss. Didn't miss an extra point. Only missed two kicks all year. Has a great leg strength, as we've all seen on Twitter. Um, had a really rocky stretch in the middle of the year this year, and that was attributed to bad rainstorms down there in Georgia, um, where he had a five-game stretch where he kicked four for 11. Outside of that, in his whole entire career, he was an, a rock-solid, excellent kicker. A lot of people like to tell me you can't exclude those those five games, and and I'm fine with not with not excluding that. And um, just like you can't exclude the 14 games that Hauschka was a 50% kicker. Um, and the ending of the 2018 season into 2019 prior to the really prior to the end of the season where he found something that kept him on this roster when the team went and tried to re-sign Chase McLaughlin, but didn't get him because of Indianapolis. So um, he was a really rock solid kicker. He has a strong leg. He's a kickoff specialist. There's a lot of like about this, this pick. I think he was the best kicker in the draft. Uh, New England took one in the fifth round. A guy that's getting a lot of criticism. Um, but um I think Tyler Bass was the best kicker in this thing and the Bills got him at this point where they're already taking backup quarterbacks. They've already, um, you know, pretty much addressed every need on the roster to me. Um, why not on a one-on-one kicker comparison with Steven Hausch could bring this guy in at a really reasonable rate with a really big leg. I'm um, giving the pick an A. I really like this election. I like that they're thinking about kicker. I thought it was a big, big hole last year. Hausch could kind of redeem himself a little bit toward the end, but was, he was awful for 14 games, not just four or five. Um, it was, it was, it was a long stretch that a lot of kickers would have gotten cut from um, the Bills. Um, gave him another shot, and he, they're going to both be competing in training camp. Then another receiver went to Isaiah Hodgins um, to Oregon State, a guy I really liked out of the Pac-12. I thought it was this was phenomenal value. I uh, really liked doubling down on this receiver position. Um, really a Duke Williams competitor, bigger receiver. Uh, another A selection for me. The Bills did a really good job in this draft to me outside, in my opinion, outside of, of, of the Gabriel Davis pick. But a uh, great pick. Um, and then their seventh round pick, they just said, you know what? A DB has a shot to make this roster. Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh, a guy that fairly well ranked, um, has a shot to to compete for the final kind of cornerback spot on this roster. Um, and it's tough to really grade a seventh round pick, but uh, you know, I'll put a B minus value on that, Ryan. So kind of kind of where are you at on those those final three selections? Yeah, so for the final three selections, um, I think you're at that point late in the draft, uh, sixth round. You're you're really looking to draft a player that could come in and, and provide competition um, and even make the players that you already have better within that competition, kind of an iron sharpens iron yeah. uh, mentality. And, you know, Stephen Hauschka had plenty of struggles last year, um, plenty of ups and downs, very inconsistent, probably – uh, I don't know about the, what the stats say, but in terms of what I remember of Stephen Hauschka in his Seattle days, what I know of his days in Buffalo, it was probably one of the worst years of his career, um, you know, throughout throughout his entire career, I would say, just in terms of the inconsistencies, the Cleveland game, that, that, that really sticks out to me like a sore thumb. Um, but in terms of Tyler Bass, I think that um, 
this was uh, the guy that they needed to take here to push Stephen Hauschka to make Stephen Hauschka better or to maybe unseat Stephen Hauschka. And you know it as well as I do, Kevin, the kicker position is what can win or, or lose you a football game. If you have a great one, he can win you a lot of games. If you have a so-so one, if, he, if he's off, then, then you're, you're really um, dealing yourself a bad hand right out of the gate, even with the scoreboard at 0-0. Those field goals are so precious and, and so crucial and so clutch. You need that guy uh, that can come in and, and make those kicks in those clutch situations. And uh, as far as his ability as a kickoff specialist, I think Bass is uh, obvious. Uh, that, is, that is obviously his strength. Um, but in terms of what he can do in the kicking department just for the Buffalo Bills, it is always interesting when Buffalo invests in a kicker because this guy has never kicked in a climate like Buffalo. So it'll be very interesting if he does make the team and he does unseat Stephen Hauschka. If they do let go of Hauschka, I believe they get two, two, and, two and change million back in cap space. My memory serves me right. So if he unseats Hauschka and he's their kicker, how is this guy going to kick with, with the winds that the uh, newer field churns out in, in cold December and, and hopefully January? Uh, how is he going to look then? I think he's going to look pretty good because from everything I've read and everything that I've seen, this guy has been training within the kicking game probably since he was three or four years old. I mean, the kicks that he's making, the way he's making these one-step 50-, 60-yard field goals um, – Boy, that was pretty entertaining to watch on Twitter and, and to see uh, just littered all throughout my Twitter feed after they made this pick. I thought, well, they took a kicker. It's a kicker. How good is this guy? Well, when I saw who they picked, I knew I knew his name. I watched the kickers just for the heck of it during this uh, draft process, obviously. And you, you see Bass and you say to yourself, this guy is a pretty good kicker. It'll be very interesting to see how he develops and how he kicks in Buffalo. But then – Moving forward to Isaiah Hodgins, I would give the Bass pick an A, uh, and I think he's really going to provide a great competition uh, with Stephen Hauschka. And I think that it was a, a, a nice pick here uh, late in the draft in the sixth round. With Isaiah Hodgins, they double up on wide receiver, an extremely productive wide receiver. There's actually a lot of things about Hodgins that I like a little bit more than Davis, and, and you were kind of touching on it yourself just in terms of being more of a complete uh, route runner, more of a dominant um, player, just in terms of how he lines up um, within the collegiate ranks. I thought that he was somebody that stuck out in terms of his production. You looked at some of the best names available at the time. He was one of those guys that were, that were listed. Um, and I think doubling up on wide receiver at this point, uh, it's all about building weapons for Josh Allen. Hodgins, one of those guys that, will also compete with, I mean, now that they have Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, we could be talking, you know, a few months from now saying Hodgins made the roster and Davis didn't, or Davis didn't make the roster and Hodgins did. Uh, You know, I I don't know if one of these guys will make the roster or or both. It'll be a very interesting um, competition between Davis, Hodgins, the Isaiah McKenzie's, the Robert Foster's, the Andre Roberts was more of a kick return guy, but, really did have a decent training camp last season as a wide receiver, I remember. So um, I look forward to seeing that. And in terms of the value and production, I would give this pick an A as well. Uh, and then you move on to uh, Jackson, the corner out of Pitt. 
uh, Dane Jackson. You know, a guy that has size, over six foot, um, but is a little bit thinner, not not really a, a bigger guy, kind of a, a, a very slim corner. I'd look for him to maybe add, you know, five to ten pounds um, just to get to, you know, a, a strong, durable level, uh, being that he's going to be competing against some of the, the best athletic specimens that, that there are to offer in the game of football. And Jackson, to me, that's a guy that has a real tough shot at making this roster. I mean, they, they've had, you know, the Trey Whites, Josh Norman thrown in here now. Um, they've developed Levi Wallace that you kind of see at the corner position within the Bills roster players that they know what they're going to get out of those players. And if Jackson does not show something from, you know, training camp on, he's not that wow factor player. It'll be very tough for him to make this roster, in my opinion. So um, I'm going to give this pick a B, though. I do like him. I, I uh, followed his career at Pitt the last few years, being that I have some family out there. And um, he is a definite draft-worthy player. He, he belonged as one of the picks in this year's draft. So for Buffalo to get him in the seventh round here, it's a decent, decent pick here. I'm going to give it a B, um, but I do think Jackson has a really tough time making this roster. Yeah, he should. I mean, he's going to need an injury in front of him to make this to make the final roster. I mean, it's pretty pretty standard or straight up. And with EJ Gaines in front of him, um, that injury, well, might be around the corner. Um, it's not not far fetched to <laughs> think true. that. Uh, it's true. There's not a lot of competition there, at least. I mean, he's really going against Saran Neal, who's more of a nickel com- competitor. They said Dane's going to be competing more at the outside boundary position. Um, so really Taryn and uh, Saran with Saran's special teams ability are probably locked in at that nickel competition. You have Gaines, White, Wallace, and Norman. I think they're all locked. So, I mean, I really think that the six are set. Um, but Cameron Lewis from UB and Dane Jackson are really going to be two good competitors. They didn't really add anything else at this cornerback position this offseason, ex- once again, except Norman um, and Gaines. Um, there's, there's, there's not a ton else there. So an injury or two in, in Lewis and Dane Jackson are staring, sitting there staring right at cornerback position. If it's a big, big injury like a Wallace and a Norman go down, though, I could see them going out um, out of the organization to fill a bigger need than if, say, you know, Saran Neal goes down or EJ Gaines go down. Um, you know, if they lose one of the top three, I do think they would bring in, bring in a, a Logan Ryan, um, et cetera. Jonathan Joseph's out there. I think Prince of Mukamara's out there. So there's some names out there that if you need a CB2, um, I think that's the way they would go. But Dane Jackson's got a shot at this thing. Speaking of Prince of Mukamara and others, transitioning now into potential free agents now as names are being cut. The Justin Britt was cut from Seattle. TJ Fluker. The guard, interesting name. There are some names that are being cut and let go. Tashawn Gibson, the safety. The Bills didn't do anything at safety. Still only have Poyer and Hyde. Uh, Jaquan Johnson and Dean Marlowe there at the position group. Ryan, um, definitely if there was one position that I think they could add to, it would be safety. I do think that they could add, um, like they did last year with Kirk Coleman, I think that there's a spot for a third safety on this roster. I think you have a four and a five in Johnson and Marlowe, but I do think that you're lacking – um, a, a real safety three and neither of those two both are special teamers neither of those two am I feeling really comfortable in if either player or high go down so I do think that if you really want to make this roster complete I think you need a safety three Tashawn Gibson just cut from Cleveland a really good name to be interested in there um, you know Tony Jefferson's out there there's some names I mean there's some names there at the safety position I think the Bills right. could could add linebackers another spot 
Um, you know, they have obviously their three starters, Voshan Joseph, Tyler Matikavich. But other than that, I think there's a six spot up for grabs between uh, a recently signed Mike Bell, um, a guy that really your big right. nickel uh, converted safety the Bills had in training camp last year, or excuse me, uh, mini camp last year, didn't make even the preseason roster. So that's confusing what he's done since then to make the roster, but wasn't good enough last year for the 90 man. Um, so that's, that's, that's an interesting proposition there, but safety or a linebacker is another position where there's a six spot available. I don't think you just automatically give it to Terrell Dodson or Corey Thompson or Voshan Joseph. Um, there's two spots there to be had. So I think that they could add um, like they did last year. Uh, once again, with a couple Maurice Alexander. Um, so I think that there's, there's, there's a linebacker spot up for grab. So is there any position groups you see now that player decent name players are getting cut that you'd like to see it, whether it's linebacker safety or tackle, is there, is there anything jumping out to you? You know, I, I would say that if, if Buffalo were to make an, there's, there's no real player that jumps out at me to be quite right. honest in terms of, a big name or, you know, so the, some of those guys, I guess you could say I would be lumped into like the same tier. If we were comparing one tier to the next, they're, they're kind of all the same type of player, just in terms of productivity. You'd want to bring in a guy that has some experience, but, but not somebody that is past his prime. Um, but in terms of looking at the free agents and, and everything, I, would love it if they had a need now on this offense, but now that they've made the draft picks that they've made and, and they've acquired some of the talent that they have with the digs, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs trade and you know, Zach Moss and Davis and Hodgins, there's so much competition on this team. There's so much uh, talent brought onto this team. Uh, even at the UDFA level, they picked up Trey Adams, um, offensive lineman out of Washington that is a mauler, uh, just a mammoth of a, of a human being. Uh, which I really liked that move. There's a few injury questions with him, but that was the name that really popped out at me in terms of what he could bring to the table for their offensive line, a low-risk, extremely high-reward player. Those are the types of moves that I want to see Buffalo make. Maybe be you know more UDFA players rather than getting the guys with experience because I think that the younger guys will obviously not only have more longevity, but um, looks to kind of fit what they have actually been doing the last few years, bringing in as much young talent as possible at the safety position. You have two solid experienced players with Poyer and Hyde. I would like for them, if they were to make an addition to the safety position, to bring in somebody that also has uh, equal experience, um, maybe maybe a, a touch off the talent level, obviously, between Poyer and Hyde. You're not going to find a safety as talented as those guys in free agency at this point but you will find someone with experience that could be paired with those two players. Yeah. You got Tony Jefferson, Deshaun Gibson, Rashad Jones. You have Eric Reed, Hedrick Thompson, Clinton Gaithers. Um, there's some names still on the board there that I think the bills will bring in. I mean, I'm pretty confident. Definitely, that they'll, they'll yeah, add to that I, do, I definitely like Eric Reed. I like Jefferson. Um, I, I would love it if they were to just get that extra safety. That is just a thumper, a guy that can yep. really hit a guy that can create turnovers and make things happen. Those are the types of additions that for, for a backup position on a roster could be that clutch addition when someone gets hurt. If, if God forbid, if a Poyer or a Hyde get hurt, they could yeah. step right in and make things happen and be in the mix, so to speak. So I'm just really uh, excited. I thought their draft was, was fairly uh, decent given that they didn't have a first round draft choice. Uh, yeah. I felt like they, they brought in as much competition 
that they possibly could, even in the later rounds with the Jake Fromm pick and Tyler Bass pick and obviously the Hodgins and Dane Jackson pick. Really the back end of their draft I thought was just as impressive as the top end, and it was really just a a well-rounded draft overall based on value, competition, talent. Um, I'm really looking forward and hoping that we do get that normal training camp process. There's a lot of talk around the league right now that the season, the regular season this year for 2020 won't start until October. Um, So we might actually get that normal training camp just might be a month late due to everything that's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's very true. Um, Lots, lots to digest. And I think the bills are always tweaking their roster at the veteran level. I mean, being, I'll even admit that to you once again, the first sign of injury, I do think that it could be worth bringing in a Logan Ryan or or a Denard or a um, Daryl Worley, Akib Tlaib, Drake Kirkpatrick, Eli Apple, Prince of Mukamara, Tremaine Johnson, you know, Maurice Claiborne, Jonathan Joseph. There are some cornerbacks there and we've gone through the safety. So I do do think that a safe or say a DB will come into this this room at some point whenever, like you mentioned, that 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 training camp does happen. And linebackers, I think, sticking out to me too. I think that there's a Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks, Alex Ogletree, um, Mark Barron, Wesley Woodyard. There are some linebackers out there. That Mark could, Barron know. is yeah, Mark Barron is very interesting because he he can play safety and linebacker. You know, he yeah. fits that 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 nickel linebacker role. And they, they brought in Bell, uh, was Mike Bell. Um, and, I'm, and I'm interested to see how he fits within the team. Um, but I think at the training camp point, you want to bring in as much competition as possible. So mixing vets with young talent as well is helpful. Um, I typically, I mean, they've done such a damn good job molding this defense uh, into something special that oftentimes lately I've been looking at what they could do on the offense. And now, I don't really see a lot of holes on this offense. And no, I like I the fact any. that they Yeah, I like the fact that they didn't draft an offensive lineman because I think their offensive line really wants to get another year together again. Um right. you know, everything I've read from Deion Dawkins and John Feliciano and Cody Ford that as the season wore on, the offensive line felt like they were really getting into a rhythm and really starting to get comfortable. And I look forward to seeing that same starting five um, in 2020, maybe not in the same order. Maybe you do have a different addition with Daryl Williams playing right tackle and Cody Ford playing right guard. Um, But I I really look forward to seeing how this offensive line develops heading into year two. It's sure. Interesting. I think obviously it could use a top end right tackle, um, but nothing was going to happen really with their situation with their, you know, the cap they already spent and pick 54. I didn't, there was, there's, there was no need to address and without a top end right, right. tackle. That could um, be the first round pick in 2021. It could possibly it yeah. could be. Yeah. Could be possibly so, they'll be looking at yeah. offensive line, depending on how this year plays out, or maybe not if Ford takes a stop and they sign Spain long-term, they have more right. long-term, they re-sign Dawkins long-term, <laughs> maybe all of a sudden it's not. Um, maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it, it, it's really it's based on, on Ford this, this year. Yeah, based on Ford, mainly Ford. They he's what's going to gonna determine all this, this situation. Hope, yeah, hope that he's a tackle. If he's a guard, he's a guard. We'll and I wouldn't out. be shocked <laughs> to see them tweak running back either. I mean, it's it still has the two the two guys, the two third-round picks, but you know, if they needed to swap someone and they said, you know, Devontae Freeman or Carlos Hyde adds more as the veteran than TJ Yeldon, Let's have them both at camp and see who wins that final spot. I wouldn't be shocked to see them make that move either. So there are there are some things that can be done there at the free agent spot. Quarterback's pretty much out now. 
Um, I think receivers out from make, making moves there. I don't see anything at the offensive line spot, but I do think that there could be some competition be brought in at running back potentially at that final running back spot. I can never have enough as well as bringing in competition at linebacker and DB. Um, and maybe they'll see a need to bring in a veteran tight end uh, to compete too. I mean, there's still Jordan Reed, Delaney Walker, you know, uh, Ed Dixon, you know, see if they, they like any of those names out there um, as well at the tight end position. So we'll have to, to see. They, they did try to add uh, Greg Olson earlier. So let's see if they think, you know what, Delaney Walker could be a good addition uh, in the room right. as a veteran to, um, to, to help everybody out. Um, is there's been definitely some interest in Delaney Walker as he's a talented player when he's healthy, but he's 35. So real quickly, the, the undrafted free agents already got into Trey Adams, Garrett Taylor from Penn State safety, Brandon Walton from FAU O-line, Antonio Williams from North Carolina running back, Ike Taylor cornerback from FIU, Josh Thomas, a DB from Appalachian State, uh, and Marquel Harrell from Auburn offensive lineman, as well as the Mac. They did get a really big bruising fullback tight end in Reggie Gilliam from Toledo has a shot to beat out Patrick DeMarco as well yes. as Trey Adams yep. has a shot to, to beat out a Bates or a boat, a boat, a Butker um, for the final bills offensive line spot. But they, there are a lot of names there, Ryan, that are low end UDFAs, the third running back at UNC 500 ACC school. Um, there are some names that they just needed camp bodies and the UDFAs beside Adams um, to me really shows that. So um, that's, that's the list. Right. And I, I look at it and say, Reggie Gilliam, I, I would say, has a real shot at making the team, whether it's beating out Patrick DeMarco or being a special teams guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've watched this guy the last couple of years, too, and he is a um, phenomenal special teamer, a guy that could easily be on an NFL roster as just that uh, in terms of blocks, tackles, everything. Um, and that's the third phase. I mean, offense, defense, special teams. We filled out the offense. We filled out the defense. What guys can make this team and make an impact in the, the Steve Tasker phase of the game, special teams? I, I'd like Reggie Gilliam to make the team. I, I think uh, that was a really interesting addition and someone that I definitely see as a force in the special teams game. Absolutely. Well, what an action-packed show, Ryan. Um, lots of news action and nuggets packed. here. Um, we're going to try to bring you the video side of this coming up soon. We're working on some stuff behind the scenes as well as guests and some other stuff. Um, any final news or nuggets for us today? News or nuggets? You know, I guess the question is now as we, you know, throw out a preview for the next show, where do we see this Buffalo Bills finishing wins and losses wise in 2020? That might be something for the, for the folks to chew on a cliffhanger, if you will. I think that's a good, good place to start. Um, we'll see what happens, Ryan, but from the cap train rack sports and Picasso's pizza, I'm Kevin and that's Ryan. <laughs>